0: Welcome to Art of Investing, a podcast that asks business professionals about their journey to success and how they invested their time in the process. I'm Dylan Huang.
1: And I'm Kyle Wong.
0: We are both sophomores at Monta Vista High School in Cupertino, California.
1: Our seventh guest is Frank Delarama, an oncology nurse specialist and patient navigator at Stutter Health. He attended UC Davis for his bachelor's degree in genetics. Afterwards, he went to the University of San Francisco to get his bachelor's in nursing.
0: After this, he continued his passion in the medical field for his career and serves as the board of directors for the Bay Area Cancer Connections.
1: If our conversations and content interest you, please follow our Spotify, Google, and Apple podcasts.
0: Without further ado, let's get started with episode seven of Art of Investing. Hello, Mr. Delarama. Thank you so much for taking the time to conduct this interview with us today. It's an honor to have you as a seventh guest of the podcast that is aimed at providing insights and inspirations to teens in the Bay area. To begin, may I request that you provide a brief background of your career in the medical industry so that we can get to know you a bit better.
2: Sure. Sure. So, uh, currently I'm working as an oncology clinical nurse specialist. So I help uh, cancer patients uh, deal with a new diagnosis, also do genetic testing. And so those are the things that I'm doing now. Uh, Originally got my degree in genetics back at Davis years ago, uh, and was interested in the health sciences at that time. Um, There's so many different paths. I went into research for a while. I went into uh, uh, administration for a while, but then found nursing as a second career and uh, figured with my genetics background and my interest in oncology, you know, that's kind of where it led to uh, my work today. Uh, so I'm happy to have those two specialties in what I do day to day here at, uh, uh, at Sutter Health.
1: Cool. Uh, well, to move on from that, uh, what are the top three skills or traits that you believe that high school students should acquire earlier in their lives and why?
2: Sure, sure. So definitely uh, at the high school level, I know there's, I know my daughter's in high school. She's not a STEM, she's not a science girl. Uh, There's definitely uh, uh, other people who are into the sciences. And so, regardless of what uh, discipline you're in, I think the skills to acquire, um, you know, writing, you know, something I wish I would have started earlier, you know, something as simple as a journal. Just writing, uh, even practicing, uh, getting your words out there and communicating, whether it be in the newsletter or uh, and so on, it's going to lead to a lot of things. I know in my career, when I started writing and blogging, you know, then I got a lot of invitations for, you know, to be guests and write articles and so on and kind of increase my visibility. So I think if at a high school level you get the skills of writing um, and uh, sharing your ideas Uh, on the same vein, the second thing would be learning how to present, you know, speaking in front of people I and mean, it's, I was a, a nervous wreck in seventh grade. I when to come to public speaking, but I think uh, it's something that it's a skill to, uh, you know, as you practice more and you can get comfortable speaking in front of 30, speaking in front of, speaking in front of thousands, you know, sometimes I'm at conferences now. And so what you're, if you're comfortable with that now, as in high school, that's going to carry you far uh, uh, throughout. Um, another, the last skill I would say is you know, uh, working in a team, being a team player, you know, group projects are not always our favorite thing, uh, but it's something that's gonna translate into the workplace where you're gonna either need to lead a team or be a proper follower or uh, be a linchpin wherever you are. So I think uh, the skills, you know, they're not so much about science and uh, technology, but I think uh, no matter where you go, um, being able to share your ideas with words, with, uh, with share ideas with speech, and also uh, be able to, um, you know, work in the, in the middle of a team uh, versus a sole warrior. I think those are gonna carry anybody very far.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Um, on the point of working in a team, have you ever been like a situation where if you went alone, you might not have made it, but then a team really propelled you to your like finishing goal?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, um, being the, uh, you know, we think we are good at what we do and we say, I can take care of this project on my own. You know, I can start this cancer program on my own. Let me just try it, which, which happened to me. I was trying to, you know, start a teaching program for prostate cancer patients. I was just trying to do it on my own, but then you can only get so far. Uh, these systems go far beyond. So when you recruit either people from above, or below you uh, at the high school level if you're recruiting people to help you whether it be teachers or professors and then uh, uh, definitely your colleagues and so uh, once we did once i did get a team together to do these type of projects it just kind of took off a lot more easier and uh, um, it was it it lasts so i think once you do something of course it's okay to have a one of my mentors said, go ahead and start an idea. Go ahead and start a project. See how it works. Don't think about it too much. Go ahead and pull the trigger. But once you're ready to go, it's good to have this key group of, uh, of uh, people on your team to kind of help these programs grow. Uh, and that applies to everything in life.
0: That's very interesting. And it definitely applies to many of our lives. And we can always try to work in a team. So moving on from that. What do you think are some things you would recommend high school students to keep in mind when they're choosing potential career paths?
2: Sure, sure. So definitely, you know, I was uh, the son of immigrant Asian parents who came here and said, you better be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, that's about it. And so that kept me on a one track mind, which is good. I mean, I studied hard. but I think uh, if I were to woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, I would probably want to open my mind to, well, I'm interested in biology, you know, what other career paths are out there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be devastated if I don't become a doctor, you know, that can be a, a you know, a tough road to hoe. Uh, but definitely uh, at the high school level, kind of keep it open. Um, believe it or not, you know, me looking back, there's so many opportunities in biotech. Uh, you know, even among the sciences, there's a whole cohort of people who are doing the, the, the administrative side or the business side. So with a knowledge of science and if you're doing the business side, um, you know, that's something that uh, someone can be very successful in. And the thing, the other thing to think about outside the box is you're, you're developing yourself as a professional, hopefully. And so think about multiple streams of income. Uh, even though you're working for a certain, just like what I do, I work for a certain health organization, but then I get opportunities to do consultation on projects for cancer outside of the clinic and, you know, um, you know, having multiple streams of income and, you know, getting yourself working with different teams, right? You know how to, you know how to play with team, with team A all the time, uh, but if you get experience working with team B and team C, you're going to be much more valuable to teams that uh, you may encounter in the future. So definitely being flexible um, other than teamwork. Yeah, it is that kind of, uh, I'll reiterate that again is to be be, uh, open to change. And so uh, I would encourage high school students because I know people who did their careers just because that's what mom and dad told them to. uh, You wanna find your passion um, because you don't want someone to be very successful and then be unhappy, and so definitely in my in my scenario, my wife and I are both in healthcare. We've both been there for many many years. We know our daughter's not going to go into healthcare. She faints at the side of sight of a blood draw, and so we rather not push push push. But uh, if we know what her strengths are, and so you know what your strengths are. Might as well pursue them. So in the end, the only the only one who's gonna to answer to, uh, you know, your success is yourself. And so I don't want you to woulda, coulda, shoulda uh, down the line. Um, and yeah, again, uh, uh, different pathways are there. And so for high school, there's the college pathway, you know, bachelors, if you're in the sciences, that would be the minimum, you know, me with masters or my colleagues with doctorates, that kind of opens up the door to uh, different levels, but people are happy at the uh, you know, I thought I was going to be a technical uh, medical type person when getting into all the the IVs and all that stuff, but I found out my strengths were as, as the teacher. And so, um, rather than getting mired down in the tech, I found that I brought a lot of value as as a teacher side um, when it comes to the healthcare.
0: Yes, um, just to continue on that a little bit, what was like the defining factor of choosing to go into oncology?
2: Oncology, yeah, so really, um, before when I was quote unquote pre-med, I really didn't know what my specialty was going to be, I was interested in, uh, I was actually interested in dentistry and internal medicine, I really didn't have an idea about oncology, I think because my mind was too single-tracked, I was just focusing upon that. so actually, once I got my uh, experience and some, uh, some uh, work under my belt in genetics, I think that kind of sparked an interest. I was working for a company who's doing engineering on plants and working with plants is not very stimulating when you can't really talk to a tomato. Uh, and so I learned that if I wanted to be very successful in that area, I'd probably have to do a lot of research, get write a bunch of papers. I'm not sure if that's where I wanted to go. Um, Nursing uh, wasn't something I was really uh, looking for because I was thinking more medical. But then when I met, again, with the meeting colleagues, I met with someone who was a nurse. um, And so I decided to pursue that as a second line uh, career and ended up keeping my interest in oncology because early on I learned that genetics in oncology were overlapping. This was in the early 2000s, really before genetic testing was really uh, what it is today. And so that was kind of a, I don't know why I thought that, but I think that's where it clicked. I knew my genetics was gonna be useful. I'm not gonna work in the lab with plants or, or uh, petri dishes. And so I ended up uh, pursuing my degree in nursing with a, with a keen uh, mindset on uh, cancer care.
1: Uh, so to recap, uh, your advice is to keep your options open and to be adept to change in high school and life in general, uh, and to develop yourself in a manner or industry where you can find multiple sources of income. Uh, very insightful advice. I know our listeners will keep in the back of their minds as we look into our future. And on that note, before us high schoolers look <clears throat> further into the future, what are your top three pieces of advice for high school students on things or mistakes to avoid?
2: Mistakes to avoid, yeah. Uh, You know, one thing I've seen, uh, and it works for high school students in working with their teachers or with their friends or their not so friends, you know, I would never want to burn any bridges. Uh, You never know where these people are going to show up later. Uh, You may, I mean, you may really not enjoy working with somebody or they just annoy you. I've had that happen in the workplace. I remember that happened in a school. Uh, you encounter these people maybe not maybe in the next years of high school you maybe ended up working on a group project with them they may be the hiring boss at uh, where you're trying to go uh, to google or whatever it is you never know what's going to happen you know I've seen in the athletic world where you know as kids are trying to uh, meet with coaches at different colleges and they'll kind of say oh you're division three you're not where I want to go next thing you know that coach came to that school they wanted to go to and they already got a bad taste in their mouth. So really one, one thing would be not to burn bridges. Um, second thing would be, second thing would be, you know, just to keep up, again, back to the open mind thing. I mean, uh, I know you you guys are gonna be pretty one-tracked, uh, maybe for business or medicine or whatever it is, but think about what can be done from an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial standpoint. So, even the kind of the shark tank mentality is uh, you look at things, uh, things that are happening in medicine, things that are happening on the business side. Maybe you can figure out a, a way to be kind of be a, a linchpin or kind of a, you find out a way to be a great middleman or kind of do things better. Uh, that may happen even within high school, you know, um, you'll figure out a, a good way to kind of bring two opposing forces together. Um, And the last thing I'll mention is just uh, perspective. I mean, I'm in cancer care. Unfortunately, I've seen people die and come and go. And so uh, when it comes right down to it, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, definitely um, when things get stressed out, when it comes to school or it comes to work, even where I work day to day, you know, the big picture is, you know, fall back upon your quality of life. And so, uh, you know, me and my wife work in healthcare and we work hard, but then we play hard. So we're we are okay with spoiling ourselves and having that nice piece of steak or going on that trip once we start traveling again. Um, and so treat yourself like you would want to be treated. I mean, if something bad happens at work or at school, it's not devastating. I even hear tragic stories about people harming themselves when you know it's over a little kind of um, what they think is a big skirmish, but. Um, you know, quality of life is uh, the important overlying thing. And so uh, uh, don't sweat the small stuff, but then um, kind of life in general is more important other than school, career, etc. cetera.
1: Uh, on the note of uh, perspective on life and like not sweating the small stuff, do you have any personal experiences you can share where you had to adapt this mindset and like apply it?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, when it comes to, I help my patients apply this all the time, and so uh, you know, you know. Fortunately, with prostate cancer and the type of cancers I work with, you know, it's not kind of a, it's not a, a lot of those times we do cure, quote unquote. And so, um, you know, I'm actually helping other people uh, don't don't not sweat the small stuff. So, giving them a perspective when I meet with them you know, let's sit down, we'll talk about your situation. Really giving them the, the insight into the future because I've been through this a few thousand times with other people. And so I know there's a lot of guys who are very successful. And so um, maybe not so much, don't sweat the small stuff for them, but giving them a perspective that they can kind of uh, conquer that because there's plenty of people who are looking back and they're doing fine. Same thing with projects in high school where or in college, where I, you know, I hate working on a group of paper with a, a bunch of people, and you know, um, you know, the big picture is it's one class in the middle of, you know, how many years of school, and so just looking back, you know, just get my work done and work as well as I can, uh, but knowing there's a big picture, there's a perspective for, you know, it's not uh, all gloom and doom, but um, you know, that's valuable. And kind of on an offshoot is some of the most valuable careers or some of the most valuable roles you'll have as a person in general is maybe when you're helping somebody else with a tough decision. You know, that's probably why doctors and nurses like myself get paid so much because we're dealing with life and death decisions. We're actually not, and we're helping people get through that. And so same thing in business or in law, you know, they're dealing with difficult situations but their expertise is to kind of help people along um, uh, versus jobs where you're just doing the road kind of assembly line type things, uh, which may be manual, which may be kind of, you know, even kind of boring uh, type of jobs. And so if you, even though, even though right out of college or right out of high school, whatever you, if you start with a small job, it's always nice to keep an eye on, there's always another level to reach. Once you maximize the role that you're in, You know, take those tools and bring them somewhere else or start something new um, and so on.
0: That is extremely valuable advice. Now going on to some more oncology related questions. Can you share some of your life lessons you learned from the years of helping and guiding people facing prostate cancer?
2: Yeah, so again, prostate cancer used to be the big C. You know, People used to think of it all death and, and dying, but I'll tell you today, you know, uh, prostate cancer, breast cancer, a lot of the screenable cancers we find so early, given the technology we're talking about uh, uh, you know curing these cancers, treating them. Cure means treatment, so we never have to treat you again. We're always going to be watching them. There's even a few cases in prostate cancer where we find it so early that the recommendation is not to treat. You know, there's side effects that may be more worse than you know if we treat it too early. So, in uh, prostate cancer and in my experience in cancer care. You know there is that spectrum that you have to be aware of. So there's my patients who are localized. We talk about curative treatment. Um, In cancer care, there is the other end of the spectrum, which I'm familiar with, the palliative side. So there is kind of gives you that perspective. There are guys who get cancer that spreads to other parts of the body. They go through second, third, fourth line therapies. Technology-wise, we have a lot of things to offer these men, but there may be a point where it's time and so the main thing about working with in that end of life situation is helping them transition, helping the family as well. So when you get, uh, when you have experience helping people through not only the easy things but the more difficult things, you know that's what's rewarding about having a career is you know you're helping them um, uh, based upon you know that this experience with that patient in this situation is going to help you help the next similar patient. in a uh, a supportive way as well. So cancer care um, as a continuum from early disease to late, there's a lot of opportunities. Um, And even within the specialty, I have people in my role who just work with the end spectrum uh, versus I work with the early spectrum. And so there's a lot of opportunities uh, uh, within the the team and it's all patient-centered. And so uh, quality of care uh, stems from you know, patient satisfaction and patient outcomes.
0: Yep, thank you for sharing that. And it's definitely really helpful to know that um, through everything, you're able to learn something and your experiences have been very valuable. Great,
2: great.
0: I wanted to know a little bit about how your research in um, plants and how that kind of relates to what you do now.
2: Yeah, so that's going way back, but definitely genetics, uh, when you get a degree in whatever science, the first few opportunities are often, you don't get the CEO position right away. Of course, I had to start at the bottom. And so definitely uh, uh, coming out of with my bachelor's degree, I was still applying for graduate school and med school at the same time, but I took that time uh, after college to just get some experience. And so I um, you know, uh, working with genetic engineering of plants, you know, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but, uh, you know, I was at a company that was able to kind of uh, mess around with a ripening gene in tomatoes. And so we had shelf-stable tomatoes uh, off the vine that didn't need refrigeration. The downside to that was be the, the, uh, the media's perspective, even at that early time of genetics, you know, they thought that they didn't want genetic genetic engineered food, because we didn't know a lot about it. So there was a definitely a valid argument against it back then, but that gave me an early, good early perspective. Not only did I get experience in doing the research, um, you know, working as part of a team with the botanists, with the scientists there at, uh, at that genetic site over there, kind of gave me an insight on the big picture, you know, how our industry could potentially affect, you know, uh, nationwide, uh, you know, not only the media, View of whatever your technology is is important, and you know things kind of aren't a little bubble. And so your technology, your business is going to leak into or help or harm other people. And so that's kind of where it started. I was still, I was still hoping to be a healthcare provider around that time, but uh, my pursuit of medical school at that time, one year later, was not as successful as I'd like it to be. That was in my exploring phase, and that in during that time. I found several other avenues. I was exploring nursing, physical therapy, even uh, you know, with, uh, with biotech. You know, What happened when I got into school is I also obtained a job in biotech the same day same week. And so it was my decision at that time that I wanted to build myself, uh, kind of go in a different direction. Um, uh, and that was my own personal decision. So uh, you never know what opportunities you're gonna get, but I think all of these little steps along the way Kind of helped uh, you know, help me find the right path. Uh,
1: from your extensive experience gained uh, throughout your time in the medical field, uh, you surely have seen much success. Uh, could you share a bit about your role in the Bay Area Cancer Connections and how you sure. use skills you've learned? Yeah,
2: others? yeah. So that's kind of these opportunities, and so. Uh, You know, for the first few years of my practice in uh, oncology, it was more of at the bedside type things. I started to develop programs. I started to get involved in the community. And so that's part of what Breast Cancer Connections, now Bay Area Connections, uh, um, it's a nonprofit. And so what happens in the community, kind of that overlap is that I was recruited to be part of their board of directors for several years because they know my connections in healthcare, and um, I was able to help them with some programs on education of genetics and cancer. And they actually gave me some experience on the fundraising side you know, of nonprofits. And what that organization is, is a, a additional center for cancer patients to go to, mainly breast and ovarian cancer. Um, and so they're able to use yet another resource in the community that's free of charge to these women and men who use that. Um, but my role there was kind of an honor, and so I was brought on as the board of directors. You know, most large organizations have a board of directors that kind of help drive uh, drive the care in the programs, and so who you'll see on board of directors was healthcare providers like me and doctors. Then there were local business, uh, business leaders, um, um, uh, local public service, you know, Uh, people so it's kind of a community representation whenever you get to be on a board Um, and it's more like uh, my public service to the community so using my expertise uh, that does increase your visibility and so when you do become a board member then you get invited to do a lot of other projects as well so that's more that was more of an honor that I did that for six years the other thing that offshoots from that is then we end up since my expertise is prostate cancer and cancer genetics you know you're asked to do a lot of guest speakers or go to conferences and part of that other thing is where you end up being invited by places to go to travel and to share your experiences and so the, that's you know frankly that's a stream of income not only do i get to share my ideas with people all over the country um, you know, that's an income, which you are kind of uh, not your, that's not your employee role, that's more of your consultant role. Uh, and today with COVID, you know, uh, I would say last year, I traveled every couple months to different states to do presentations. Today, you know, a lot of these things we're doing from right here. I was, we just did a genetic symposium and there's my background right there. And so uh, a lot of these opportunities to speak and share stem from things like breast cancer connections, Bay Area cancer connections, and then you end up being looked at as a medical and uh, kind of, um, um, you know, person of, uh, expert, of expert opinion. And, uh, and so that's, that's another uh, resource to have and another thing to put on your list of, on your resume or, or your CV.
0: Yep, thank you for sharing that. I had another question relating also your LinkedIn page. From your experiences, it shows that you've attended schooling all in California, and so you went from Davis to UC right. um, University of San Francisco. So do you think staying in the Bay Area or staying near, in California for most of your life has contributed to being able to connect with many of the patients a little bit better?
2: It does. I mean, I mean, um, there's plenty of other institutions where I could have got a genetics or a nursing or an advanced nursing degree um, because more so for the nursing and the advanced nursing is that we, part of our education were actually residencies in the community. So we're actually getting to know our patient population. That being said, uh, I got all my experience with the San Francisco Bay Area population, which is a relative a variety of incomes and you know, from low income to high. Uh, And then when I started my practice in Berkeley in the hospital, that's a different population. Uh, And then when I started my practice in uh, Palo Alto, that was a whole nother level uh, because these are engineers, these are scientists, now they're your patient. And so they're almost too well-informed. They come in with stacks of information already. So I think uh, being in the Bay Area helps uh, for the most part. Um, You know, I went to Davis as an undergrad to get the genetics and be more pre-health. Um, didn't really think about a career uh, position until later. You know that degree at University of San Francisco was actually a second bachelor's and so there are some of my colleagues who never went to undergrad and they can go straight into nursing. Uh, I just did it the long way and so my second bachelor's was in uh, nursing to kind of give me my entry into healthcare Um, And then University of California, San Francisco, they only have graduate programs or one of the top programs in the country. The reason I went there is they opened up the genetic oncology nursing program. And that's really what I wanted to do because I wanted to work at a different level, whether it be genetic counseling, whether it be biotech. And now I can safely say I'm I'm doing all that. Um, And so um, California has a wealth of colleges. It's not all about UC or you, whatever. I mean, definitely, uh, there's a lot of uh, private colleges that I'm exploring with my daughter, uh, and so really finding the right college doesn't all have to be. Some of the mentality is it's all, uh, you know, on these colleges that we all hear about or see in the movies: uh, UC, Harvard, Stanford, which are all excellent schools. Uh, definitely, if you're a high schooler looking into things. You may want a smaller class size. You may want more one on one, ease of one on one attention. On the other hand, you may want the UC side just to have the, um, you know, the, it maybe make it easier to kind of progress in the graduate school with the, the different levels of undergrad.
1: Um, expanding on uh, mm-hmm. how you went to school, all your schools in uh, California,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you go into a bit more detail on uh, how you're exactly able to choose these schools. As especially now uh, during COVID, um, for us it's been very difficult to get to schools in California, except. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, uh, I was lucky enough to. Well, I was lucky enough to be uh, have early admission to uh, uh, a couple other schools, so I didn't. I would actually encourage most uh, people in high school to apply to all the colleges they're interested in, but. You know, doing the virtual tours, like I've seen with uh, different colleges, um, even setting up voice and Zoom appointments with uh, uh, not only admissions, if you know somebody over there, I know through My Daughters in Athletics, we're talking to coaches in the school, trying to get like a, a real person view of colleges. Um, you guys have a more difficult time because it would be nice to just, um, you know, drive to the schools and go on the tours. Um, even those are kind of superficial, um and so you know there's even i don't know if you guys use niche.com or org. there's a nice kind of call co- you know putting in all of your desires for a college and then um, you end up finding colleges that may not have been on your radar um but definitely in california i was partly lucky i mean i was a pretty good student and so i didn't apply to a whole bunch because basically my My backup plans were Berkeley Davis um, and I was just applying to Ivy League just for the hell of it. And, oh, well, Davis was my backup. So it's a good school. I think today you guys have a lot more competition. um, And so that's why looking back um, when you're going out there for jobs and let's say you can get a graduate degree. I mean, it does help that you went to whatever school for bachelor's, but I think they really look at, for example, in my position, they really look at, I just want to, UCSF. So wherever you get your doctorate or your master's, you know, that's really where you're gonna, you're gonna um, hang your hat, even though the alumni associations of all these schools will continue to chase you for donations. But, uh, you know, I'm still a UCD alumni, I'm a USF alumni, I'm a UCSF alumni, and I went there for all uh, good reasons, it turns out.
0: That's awesome to know. Um, One last question we had was, What is one thing, one most valuable advice that you've ever heard or read during your entire career?
2: You know, when I was working uh, early, when I was a nurse and I started working on oncology, uh, the advice from one of my mentors who was a doctor is just, if you're thinking about doing a program or thinking about doing something, go ahead and just do it. It's better to fail early and often versus what it could have should. And so go ahead and try it. I mean, there's people who have analysis paralysis. They'll think of an idea. They want to make sure they do it the right way. And five years later, they haven't done anything. Um, I would encourage people to just, if you have an idea, if it has some legs, just try it out. And then uh, try it out on your own if you need to, but then start focusing upon who can I work with to kind of get that on. So fail often, fail early. That's a good thing from my perspective.
0: Thank you for sharing all of your experiences and advice. We owe a huge thank you to you for joining our podcast and we hope your insight will answer any questions aspiring business and medical leaders and high schoolers have. Thank you so much.
2: All right. Happy to be here. Thank have you. a good day.
0: You too. This is Dylan. And this is Kyle. Presented by Art of Investing. That's it for now.
1: If you enjoyed today's episode, follow us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Until next time.